0: sharing good news of great joy to all people. Elation Church. Welcome to week number three. Everybody say three. Week number three in our series that I've entitled Under the Umbrella. Under the Umbrella. You know, last week I needed this umbrella when we got here because it was sprinkling a little bit. Got, Got wet there at the end. But I've entitled this Under the Umbrella. Here's why I've entitled that. I've entitled the message series that. Because I believe, according to Scripture, all the way through the Bible, that God desires to be the king of his people. Does anyone agree with me? I mean, he always wants his people to acknowledge him as king, above every earthly king that could ever be, and Lord above any other lord that people might call lord all right he's king of kings and he's lord of lords and he desires for his people to acknowledge him as that not just one time i'm talking about acknowledging him as king and lord all the time continually confessing that he is your lord and he is your king okay some people think well i I confessed him as Lord one time, but I don't know if I've ever said it again since then. No, we we acknowledge him and confess him as our King and as our Lord. And I believe that when we do that and when we live that way, according to scripture, I didn't just make this up. Well, I made up the umbrella part, okay? But it's just symbolic of what the word teaches, all right? so. When we acknowledge God as King and Lord, then we can live close to him. As a matter of fact, we are living close to him when we regularly acknowledge him as King and Lord. And when we live close to God, there are some things that we can expect. Now, if you don't realize that you can expect these things... You might not experience these things because the promises of God are yes and amen and his promises don't just happen automatically. We have to receive them. We have to take hold of them by faith, by putting our trust in him, by hearing those promises and believing those promises. Those promises coming alive on the inside of us then we take hold of them and we trust God and we and we put our words in agreement with what God says, okay? Then we can expect some things. I believe when we acknowledge God as king and Lord, we can live under his umbrella, like this umbrella would protect me from rain. We can live under his umbrella of blessing, of protection, of provision. Now, if we decide to not acknowledge him as King, come here and help me, Riley. Riley's gonna be God just for a minute. Okay, I know this is a stretch, but if we decide to do our own thing and and kind of like, well, I can handle this on my own, God. I don't, I don't need you. I, and we would never say that, okay? Chances are, we would never tell God that we don't need it. Right? We wouldn't say that. But by the way we live sometimes, we think we can handle it without God. We don't consult Him. We don't acknowledge Him as King or acknowledge Him as Lord and we just go about our life. A lot of people, you know, come visit God on Sunday morning and then have nothing to do with God the rest of the week. Has anybody ever been that person before? Does anybody not want to be that person anymore? (laughs) All right? So, you know, we just go about our own thing. We pull out our God box, and then, okay, we'll come and acknowledge him. Now, where did I get that from? You're going to have to hang tight a minute before we get to our dramatic part. God's always desired to be the king of his people. When we honor him, I've covered this, we live under the umbrella of his blessing, provision, and protection. Where did I get this from? Well, it's all through the Bible. I'm just going to point out some things, all right? Proverbs 18:10 says this, the name of the Lord. Everybody say the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. It's a strong tower. And the godly or the righteous run to him, right? Run to him, and then what happens? We're safe, we're safe. Jesus said as he was looking I don't have this up here but it just I got to say it because it's on my mind Jesus said as he was looking over Jerusalem he began to cry and he said how how I wish that today I, I was like a mother hen over my people and they could they could run under You know, if there's problems in the chicken yard, right? (laughs) And there's little chicks and the mama chicken sees a hawk, What does she do? She spreads her wings and all the little chicks run under her wings. She protects them. And Jesus used the picture of that when he said, oh, how how I want you to be close to me, how I want you to acknowledge me and recognize me. But you didn't. I looked at these verses or these names of God last week. The Bible in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, and even names in the New Testament for Jesus. In the Greek, we find out who God is and what he does for his people. He is El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. Maybe you've heard the song El Shaddai before that came out in the 80s or something. El Shaddai, here's what that word means, the name of God. This is who God is. He is almighty. He is able to nourish, to satisfy, and to supply. That's who God is. He is Yahweh Jirah. Have you heard that one before? He is our provider. He is Yahweh Ra. That means he's our good shepherd. What's a good shepherd do for his sheep? He protects them. He provides for them. He takes them to the still water because a sheep is scared to drink out of a fast-moving stream or river. He is Yahweh Nisi. He is our banner of identity. He is our banner of victory. That's who God is. That's what he does. Now, you might say, well, he's not doing that in my life. I'm not seeing that evidenced in my life. Well, now that you've heard it, do you believe that the Bible is telling us that that's who God is and what he wants to do for us? Well, then we've got to acknowledge him Hello? We've got to acknowledge him. It don't just automatically happen because that's who he is. We have to acknowledge him. And we have to run to him, right? We have to be close to him, and we have to put our words in, thank you for being my El Shaddai. You know? You're almighty. You're able to completely nourish me, to completely satisfy me, and to completely supply me. And I worship you because of that, right? But when we don't acknowledge him, and we're like, boy, I don't know how I'm going to make it this week. I don't know how, you know, I'm just never satisfied. I don't know. Are we putting our words in agreement with what God says about who he is? Come on, somebody. You're my good shepherd. I I know that you're my good shepherd and I expect you to be that in my life and I trust you to be that. My good shepherd. Do you get the picture? Now, we're looking at Judges and in the book of Judges 17, chapter 17, verse 6, it says, in those days. Everybody say the time of the judges. Now, I know we're looking at like Judges... Chapter 3, chapter 4 is where we are. And you might say, well, that's chapter 17. That, yeah, it still applies. <laughs> it applies during the entire time of the judges. In those days, Israel had no king. God wanted them to look to him as their king. He did not want them to have an earthly king. He wanted to be acknowledged as their king. that they didn't honor him or recognize him. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And if we don't live close to God, we will live by what seems right in our own eyes. Look to the person beside you and say, that's not good. If we just live our lives by what seems right, by what feels good, if it feels good, do it. It's kind of where society says whatever feels good go for it you know follow your heart whatever well if we live by whatever seems right in our own eyes that's going to be trouble proverbs 14:12 confirms this it says there's a path before each person that seems right i mean we all think in our minds well this seems right There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death and destruction. So, we don't live by what seems right. We don't live by what feels good. If we want to live under the umbrella of God's protection and blessing and provision, we've got to live by what is right. See, he tells us what is right. Through his word, we find out what is right and what is not right. And it's not always what we feel. It's not always what we think seems right. How many of you have feelings different than what God said was right every once in a while? Three of us, wow. Or the rest of your life. Check your pulse, check your pulse. All right, so in the story of Judges, we find God's people turning away from God, doing evil in the sight of the Lord. It's the story over and over again. It's repeated over and over again. They, they do what's evil. They turn away from God. They didn't drive out the people. They intermarried with the people. They began to worship the gods of the Canaanites, bells and, and worshiping at that sheriff pole and things like that the Bible talks about. So they, they just went out and did their own thing. And here's the deal. Don't ever forget during this series, don't ever forget the story of the prodigal son, which I believe is more about the loving father than it is the prodigal son. Because every day, the prodigal son said, hey, I want my part of the inheritance, so I want, hey, you're, you're still alive, but I want the inheritance. And then the father gave it to him, and he ran out, and he lived by what felt good and what seemed right. And most of the time we're focusing on that guy or most of the time we're focusing on the the older brother who, you know, I've been here the whole time. You ain't never done nothing for me kind of attitude, talking to the father. But Jesus told us in the story that the father, the good father went out to the edge of his property and he looked on the horizon to see If today's the day, his son's coming back home. He never abandoned him. He never gave up on him. He just looked. And one day when he looked, he saw him. Because his son had come to his senses. And he says, it's better. It's better with the father than it is out here. And we can see that same picture. If we live by what feels good, by what seems right, hey, we need to come to our senses and realize that it's better acknowledging God is King and God is Lord. That's what's going to be the best. So one day the father looks, the sun is on the horizon, he's coming home. And the father got so happy. What did he do? Put a ring on his finger. got that robe, the, that robe, the one that represented sonship, shoes on his feet, robe on his back, ring on his finger, because he had come home. And During the book of Judges, it happens over and over again. God's people do evil in God's sight. God wants them to come back. He's watching for them to come back. they have to come to their senses and come back to God to find his protection, his provision, his blessing again. Thank you, sir. Last week, our story ended with God's people enjoying 80 years. Somebody say, wow. Wow. I mean, after Ehud Handicapped left handed guy. 80 years. 80 years of peace, rest, living under God's umbrella of blessing, provision, and protection. After they'd gone 18 years, I mean, why did it take them so long? I just keep, why did it take them 18 years to come to their senses? Well, today it's going to take them 20 years to come to their senses. <laughs> Let's pick back up where we left off. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazar. See, God wanted them to acknowledge him. They don't acknowledge him. They run out from under his umbrella. And then I put it like this. God says, let's see how that works out for you. So there you go. If you don't want to be with me, then here's King Jabin of Hazar, a Canaanite king. Listen, he ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. 20 years. Now, Judges 3.31, you said, well, you're just in chapter 4. Yeah, but you got to understand (laughs) what's going on. After Ehud, after that 80 years, after the people of God did what was evil in the Lord's sight by worshiping the bells and, okay, Shamgar. Everybody say Shamgar. Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. So Shemgar was the third judge. The Bible tells us a lot when we, when we hear that his name is Shemgar, son of Anath. Now Shemgar's name is only mentioned two times in the entire Bible. And we find everything we know about Shemgar in two and a half verses. That's not a lot of information. Unless you dig it out a little bit. Shamgar, son of Anath. So that tells us that his daddy's name was Anath. And if you do a little historical study, you find out that Anath was his dad's name, and Anath is also the Canaanite goddess of war. So the Canaanites worshipped Anath, as the Canaanite goddess of war. So that tells us something, right, about Shamgar's grandparents. Are you with me? That tells us something about his grandparents. Either his granddaddy or his grandmother was most likely a Canaanite. And what did God say? He says, drive out the Canaanites, Don't let your children, don't let your sons or daughters marry the Canaanites because they will turn you away from me. Is that what God said? That's what we looked at, you know, in week number one. So, Shemgar's dad was named after a goddess of the Canaanites. That tells us that at least we know that his grandparents didn't worship God or honor God. They didn't set a godly example for their family, did they? You are thinking way too hard. I mean, your eyes, you're just so serious right now. Here's where we find his name again. Now we're going all the way to Judges chapter 5 to find his name again. In the days of Shamgar son of Anath and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads and travelers stayed on the winding pathways. Listen to verse 7. There were few people left in the villages of Israel. So what does that tell us? During the time when Shamgar was alive, The whole nation of Israel was overcome with fear. They were so afraid. They were living their lives in fear because they moved away from the villages. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't even walk down the most traveled roads because they were afraid. They were afraid of King Jabin and the Canaanite people They were also afraid of the Philistines. We find out from the verse before, right? So all of God's people were just overcome with fear. So, they were being ruthlessly oppressed by King Jabin. Their farms were being raided by the Philistines. The Philistines would come in at time of harvest and they would take everything. You've been working that farm, getting ready to feed your family and help feed your village and feed your community, and then all of a sudden the Philistines would come in, they would take all the harvest, and then they would burn your fields or trample them down with their horses. They might even set your house on fire. You've seen those old movies, right, where the bands of raiders would come in and burn the village and take everything. That's what was going on. They were in constant fear. They were in constant hiding. They avoided the main roads. They moved out of the villages. Let me tell you something. When God's not king, when we're not living under his umbrella of blessing, provision, and protection, we can easily be overcome and paralyzed with fear. Because the enemy... Is going to just bring you lie after lie after lie after lie to take you down. Because he is the father of all lies, Jesus said. And Jesus said, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want us to live under this umbrella of protection and provision and blessing. So, when we don't acknowledge him as king, we can live our lives, overcome with fear. Let's go to Shemgar. One day, Shemgar has worked his field. I don't know what he was growing. Grain, probably grain. 600 Philistine raiders came to Shemgar's house. 600. Swords, spears, horses. Shields, 600. I mean, if you look around, I mean, 600? 600, 600 eight-year-olds could overpower the strongest person in this room. <laughs> but these aren't four-year-olds or eight-year-olds. These are These are soldiers these are Philistine soldiers I want you to think about that I mean would you have a chance in a 600 to you fight if you say yes just remember pride comes before the fall is what the Bible says (laughs) what what did Shamgar do what did he do well he did what he could he did what he could Now the Bible tells us about victories and it tells us about champions. And Ehud, last week, we looked up the language and most likely he was handicapped in his right hand. His right hand was closed up so he was left-handed but it it was because he couldn't even use his right hand. But Ehud, the paralyzed judge, was victorious over 10,000 Moabites Him and a small band of people who helped him. Gideon, we're going to be looking at in a future week. He was victorious over 135,000 Midianites with only 300 men. Samson, single-handedly victorious over 4,000 Philistines. The Bible, there were songs about Saul and David and King Saul was victorious over thousands and King David was victorious over tens of thousands. But Shamgar, he just did what he could. He was all alone. He didn't have a band of fighters to come help him. No, he just said, look, all these other people are living in fear and I'm not going to live in fear like everybody else and I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a stand. He took a stand for his family. You know? He didn't want his family to be hungry. He didn't want his harvest to be gone. He took a stand. He said, all these other people are running. I'm not running. I'm not living in fear. I'm not running. I'm going to stand for my family. I'm going to stand for my home. I'm going to stand for my people. I'm going to stand for my God. And just like in the other weeks that we've looked at, as he stood... (laughs) Just one man against 600 soldiers. As he stood in the natural, there's no way that he could win. But when God put his super on Shamgar's natural, can I say that again? When God put his super on Shamgar's natural, he defeated 600 Philistines. One guy. He did what he could he did it where he was right there in his own home in his own garden on his own farm that's where he he took a stand and he didn't give in to fear he didn't wait for better circumstances he didn't say you know what I'm going to be overcome with fear and I'm going to go run and hide. I'm going to let them steal everything. I'm going to let them burn my house down. And maybe, just maybe, in the future, I can get together with at least 20 or 30 other guys and maybe it will be better circumstances next time. No, he didn't give in. He stood. Everybody say, stand. Did what he could. He did it where he was. And he did it with what he had. And I, I think this is almost comical. Okay. What did he have? Did he have a spear? Did he have a sword? An ox goad. <laughs> He's just a farmer. And you might say what's well, an ox goad? An ox goad is a pole. It's not a weapon, it's a pole. And it's got a pointy end on one end because if you're if you're plowing behind some oxen, and one of them decides to just stop and not work. You take the pointed end and apply it to the back end of the oxen, and you say, "Go on. And when he gets the point, he goes. That's an ox goat. So it's a long stick, and it has a pointy end, long enough to reach the rear end of the oxen that are, your team, your plowing team. And then on the other end, it would normally have some kind of blade to scrape, you know, to scrape the mud off, to scrape the dirt off of the other farm utensils. So, it's, it's just amazing that a farmer can take a farmer tool and take a stand to get 600 Philistines with swords and shields and spears. But he did. He didn't do it by himself, did he? Hello, he didn't do it by himself, did he? He didn't do it by himself. Moses had a shepherd's staff. David had a slingshot. <laughs> a little boy one day on a hillside with a lot of people. He had five little biscuits and two fish sticks. Shemgar had an ox gore. I don't know if many of you have even heard this old song that went like this. Little becomes much. Little is much when God's in it. My little bit of strength becomes enough to defeat 600 Philistines when God's with me, when I'm with him, Right? First Peter 5, 6 through 9 says this, Humble yourselves. It's like Shamgar didn't say, I'm gonna take you. When he stood up, he didn't say, I can whip 600 Philistines by myself. I mean, that's, no, humble yourself. Under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Can you see this in Shemgar's life? Everybody around him was living in fear and dread and worry because of what's happening. Not Shemgar. Give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Everybody say a roaring lion. The male lions are big at roaring and the older the lion, the more he roars. And then the female lions run out and kill the prey. (laughs) The guys are just used for their mouths in the lion world. I think it's funny that the Bible calls him a roaring lion. What What does a lion's roar do that can be heard for over five miles? You can You can hear a lion roar. What does that do? It paralyzes the next meal with fear. That roar is like, lion. And our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. Let me me just put it this way. You don't have to worry about a lion's roar. And you don't have to worry about this lion's teeth because Jesus kicked his teeth out when he defeated death, hell, and the grave. All he's got is a mouth and lies. That's all he's got. He's defeated. Somebody say he's defeated. He's defeated. He's only going to get the power that we give him. He's defeated. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Say, he's not going to devour me. He's not going to devour my family. He's not going to devour my business. He's not going to devour my home. He's not going to do it. Heard the story about in school, the bully in school had had a list. And he kept a list and he would write down, he had a bunch of names on the list And then one of his friends looked at the list and said, what is this list? He says, well, this is a list of everybody in this school that I can whip. And his friend looked and said, why is my name on there? He said, take my name off of there. And the bully said, okay, and just erase his name. He's not going to devour me. Take my name off your list because I'm with God. Take a stand. Take a stand. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Your faith is trusting in the promises of God and trusting in who God is and living your life in confident expectation to see the goodness of God and the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Whew, I'm going to say amen myself here in a minute. So, take iron hands off your list. See, if you don't stand guard over your family, over your nation, over your faith... And the enemy is going to sneak in and try to steal from you and kill you and destroy you. He's going to take away our very lives. He's going to take away our freedoms, all the blessings and promises of God. That's his agenda in spiritual warfare: is to keep me and you from taking hold of what God has promised for us. Stand firm. Edmund Burke, an Irish statesman and philosopher, said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. You've probably heard that before. So as we close today, I encourage you. Acknowledge God as King. Acknowledge Him as Lord in every area of your life. Every day, acknowledge Him as king and acknowledge him as lord live under his umbrella of blessing provision and protection and we can learn some things from shamgar we can do what you can do all right don't try to do what somebody else god's calling somebody else to do but do what you can do where you are with what you have take a stand for your life take a stand For your family. Take a stand for your nation. Take a stand for your God right there where you live. Take a stand. Take a stand. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. God, I pray that this wouldn't be a time that we just hear something and say amen, but we take hold of it. Help us to stand for you. Stand for our families. Help us to walk in perfect love that casts out all fear. Help us to realize that when fear tries to take hold of us, that that fear doesn't come from you, because you don't give us a spirit of fear. You give us power and love and a sound mind. That's what you give us. So help us to stand. Stand against the enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. God, we thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you want us close and to for you to be our refuge and our strong tower. We run to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This online worship experience was brought to you by the friends and partners of Elation Church.